We're bringing to an end this week the twisted truth. And the last few weeks I've been talking about how to understand whether Scripture is being twisted or what the importance of holding on to the truth of Scripture really is and why it's about. The truth is we have talked about over the past few weeks being twisted every day by Satan himself. It's being twisted every single day, not only by Satan, but it's being twisted every single day by those that walk with us and around us. And even in some churches saying the twist is uh, the, the twist is being uh, truth lies. No, the truth is being twisted. It's easy for me to say in some places today too. There's those that want to make scripture say what they wanted to say to support their view. Last week we talked about those that are called to deceive us, and and the scripture we read last week said even. Uh, the deceiving is coming for us, even for those that are called the elect, meaning those that have given their life to Christ, and that some will fall away because they listen to these deceptive and these deceiving words from others. My hope and prayer for this whole series of sermons is that you come to a further or greater understanding that just because someone says this is what Scripture says, unless you read it for yourself, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's what Scripture says. I have said over and over again the last three weeks that I really want you not to only hear a scripture being read on Sunday morning, but I want you to read it every single day. So that when I see it up here and read scripture and I begin to open that up, or Pastor Chaz or Corey, whoever else might be preaching, you'll know that this is the truth. You'll know what it is because it is speaking to you inside your heart and not just to, uh, not just from the words that someone is saying. So today, what we're going to do is we're going to actually take one of these famous uh, phrases. We're going to look at this phrase, and we're going to understand this phrase, and then we're going to, we're going to dissect it and say, how did this become a twisted truth? And, and I'm going to give you some tools today that when you read Scripture, or when you hear a phrase, you can say, no, that's not quite Scripture. And this is how we do it. I'm going to give you practical tools today, so that when you open up to read Scripture today, you'll know how to understand what Scripture is saying. Or when you hear something, you can say, that's not really what Scripture says. So today, this phrase is a very popular one. One that people say all the time, this phrase is that God won't give you more than you can handle. Anyone ever hear that phrase? Just raise your hand if you've heard that phrase before. I can tell you right now, and without saying anything else in the sermon, that's false. That is a lie. God does give you more than you can handle. God does give you more than what you can take on. Because he doesn't want you to rely on your own rights. He doesn't want you to rely on your own strength. He wants you to rely on Him. And so though sometimes the only way for us to rely on God and to change our thinking that it's not me who can get me through this situation is for God to put you in a situation where you only have, the only choice you have is to look up and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't handle this. I do have way too much. I need your help. And so today we're going to look at this phrase and we're going to look at where it comes from. We're going to look at some of these steps of saying, how do we know that this isn't true? Where did it come from and why is it, why is it around today? So let's uh, pause and pray and then we'll jump into 1 Corinthians chapter 10. So Father, we ask you this day that you help us to have an understanding of the truth that's in your scripture. Lord, we ask you today that you would just help us to grasp the whole scripture and the truth that it says is in uh, your words that you have spoken to us and that are inspired by you today. 
Lord, I pray today that we have the tools, we have the wisdom and intelligence, not only, uh, most importantly, from the Holy Spirit, that we can understand and digest Scripture on our own. I pray, Father, first of all, that we would be opening up our Scriptures to read. But even then, when we do, that we will understand and allow this to dive into our hearts and that we would know the truth and what the truth is. And Father, when we hear this twisted truth, when we hear Satan speaking to us in our ears and telling us something, may we have the strength to stand against it and know what the truth really says and what it really is. Lord, we ask you for your guidance today. We ask you for your direction today. We ask you that you would help us in this place so that we can do your will, that we can follow you accurately in all things that you say for us to do. Father, I pray that my words are not my own, but they're truly be your words, Father. We give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, amen. First Corinthians chapter uh, chapter 10, starting at verse 11. You have your Bibles turned with me there. And we're going to jump in there. These things happened to them. <coughs> happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. This portion of scripture comes from Paul. Paul is talking to us about this very phrase and and speaking to us. and, And he's giving us directions. But there's some real important things here that we have to understand that this says that we make in a different way. Very importantly here, when we say that God can't handle, or we can't handle more than what, God won't give us more than what we can handle, what we're really doing is taking a piece of scripture and it's being twisted and saying things that we should never say. If you read this verse again, and let's focus in, we won't read the whole thing, but let's focus in on, on verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, the phrase that we're talking about here is that God won't give you more than you can handle. What is left out of that phrase that scripture says? Temptation, right? Very good. Thank you to my wife for answering that question. None of you all, if you all fail, she gets a name. All right? Oh, we did. I didn't hear her back there. I'm sorry. I didn't hear her. Okay. But temptation is left out of that phrase. Why would you leave temptation out of that phrase? Why? Anyone? Well, listen. The truth of the matter is we leave temptation out of the phrase and we say God won't give us any more than what we can handle because what happens when someone comes to you and says, I've just been given a, a, on a, a, a death sentence from the doctors. I only have six months to live. If you go to that person and tell them, uh, God's not going to give you any more than you can handle. How does that make them feel? The doctors just said I'm dying in six months, but you're telling me that God's not going to give you more than I can handle. It doesn't help out at all. What we normally say that phrase to, and I have been accused of using this phrase before too, is when people feel like they're overwhelmed with life problems. 
when life is caving in everywhere around them and there's so much that they're going through, they're going through financial issues, they've just lost their job, maybe they're having problems with their children, all of this stuff, and we feel these burdens are coming upon us. And when we use that phrase, God won't give you more than what we can handle, what we're really doing is we're shortcutting what this verse actually says. This verse was nothing about what God is giving to you to handle. What this verse was all about and what Scripture tells us, what Paul is speaking to the Corinthians here, is that God won't allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. Temptation is much different than just going through life's problems, right? Temptation is when you see something that's, when I look out there and I see those donuts out there, but I'm on a diet and I should not eat that. That's temptation, right? If I go and I'm having an addiction to alcohol and I'm trying to walk away from that, and I go down the, the aisle of the store, and oh, I don't have this problem, by the way, but if you do, and you're walking down this aisle and you're seeing alcohol there, that's a temptation. Temptation for me is going into the grocery store and not buying a bag of M&M's, right? That's my temptation. And so there's that temptation there. That's temptation. The reason why God, the reason why Paul is speaking to the Corinthians about this is because the Corinthians live in a very sinful city. The city of Corinth was not a good city. There's many things going on in the city of Corinth. There's lots of trouble. There's lots of prostitution. There's all kinds of different stuff going on in the city of Corinth. And so they were tempted. As Christians, they were called to leave away from their old lifestyle, be Repentance of that lifestyle means repentant. You turn away from that old lifestyle and you walk in a new way. And so when Paul speaks to the Christians, what he's saying to them is that don't be, don't listen, God's not going to allow you to be tempted more than you can handle. It's important for us to understand that because God wants you to receive. If today you have a problem with pornography and you get on your computer and it's there, God gives you a way out. You have to choose. And what Paul is saying is that you will never be tempted to where you are forced to do something that you shouldn't do. It's a choice you make. This is what this verse is saying. This verse is saying the temptations are never greater than making you forced to do something. Your temptation is a choice you make. Now some will say addictions are more than just a choice. Sometimes addictions become way more than that. Right? Pornography rewires your brain. I don't know if you know that, but so does alcohol, so does drugs. When you begin to take that, what happens is the, the neurons and stuff in your head, and I'm not a, I'm not a, a doctor who will ask Josh to do that later because he's going to med school and he can answer all these questions. Right, Josh? Uh, but it rewires your brain. It rewires your thinking, so it becomes natural. But it's not because you have to. It's a choice that you first make. When you choose to click on that website that you shouldn't watch, that's a temptation. You had a choice to do something else. When you choose to pick up that cigarette and light it if you're addicted to cigarettes, that's a problem. If you choose to pick up that drug and take that drug, that's a choice that you're making. God gives you a way out, regardless of whether you're in an addiction or not. God will not give you more than what you can handle from a temptation standpoint. What's happening here, when we use that phrase, is that we're removing the word temptation, because temptation is not a good thing to make. Because what this phrase is actually saying is that God wants you to repent from your temptations, from your sins, and from your choices. And so when we remove the word temptation from that, what we're saying is that I can continue doing whatever I'm going to do, and even though all the troubles is coming, God's going to save me because he's not going to give me more than I can handle. What does that mean? That means that I can continue doing all the things under my own power, I can continue doing all of these things on my own power, and I'm going to make it through. Who, knows, who needs God when I can handle everything myself? 
Who needs God if I can handle all of these things that I face? If I can handle all of these stresses, all of these problems in my life, then who needs God? See, the problem in our culture today is that we believe, even in our churches, we believe this phrase, this, I, God's not going to give me more than I can handle, more than any other phrase. We believe this phrase because we make Christianity more about ourselves than we do what God says. Christianity isn't about us. Again, several weeks ago, I used the term self-vanity. It's not, it's not about you. It's about Christ and what he does in your life. So yes, we're going to face times. God wants you to have no other option but to look up and see him. He wants you to get there without having to be at the bottom of the barrel. But sometimes he causes and allows these things to happen in our life so that we have to choose him. And that means sometimes we have to go through more than what we can handle. There's a danger in taking scripture, twisting it to say what you want it to say. What happens in the danger for this verse is exactly what I just said, but also we begin to believe something that's not true. We begin to believe a way or an action or a problem that isn't really scriptural at all. We begin, we begin to tell people this. We begin to repeat this phrase over and over and over again to different people. And we begin to say, it's okay, you can handle it because God's not going to give you more than what you can handle. It's okay, you can get through it on your own. You don't need God. You don't need anyone else. You don't need the people next to you. Really, that phrase is an excuse for us to get off our duff and help someone else. That's what that phrase really is. It's really easy to go through someone that's having all these problems and it's at the bottom of the barrel and say, God's not going to give you any more than you can handle. You'll get through it. That's okay. Because you can say that phrase without actually having any action. As a Christian, we shouldn't just say that we should never say that phrase because it's not scriptural, but we should also say, instead of saying, you can't, you know, God's not going to give you more than you can do, you can say, listen, you're going to have to go through a lot, and I'm here beside you, I'm going to help you, let me hold your hand, let me walk through, well, let me walk through with you. You need help, I'll help you. The danger is that we begin to have our own view of Christianity. You know, there's this wonderful thing called worldview, right? Our worldview begins to be changed just a little bit. Worldview is what you believe Christianity and the world and everything around you to look like and feel like and act like. It's your, it's your preconceived notions, if you will. It's when you hear something, it's the lens that you see the world through. The problem is, is that today many people in the church are viewing the world through worldly views instead of godly views. We're allowing ourselves to see things that are more about this world than they are about heaven. Too often, believing things like God won't give you more than what you can handle sets up a belief that we can do things. It becomes about us. The danger here is that if we're not careful, we can eventually dismiss God out of Christianity. The danger here is that we twist the truth to say what we want it to say. When Paul is really saying that you're going to be tempted, Paul is really telling the Corinthians that you're going to be tempted. You're going to do and, and be against all these things. <coughs> Paul begins to share with the Corinthians. In fact, verse 12, I'm going to go back there for a moment. 
Verse 12 says that, so if you think that you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. See, this is the problem that we all have here. The temptations that you and I are facing are ones that every mankind is facing. Pornography is not new. Alcohol, drugs are not new. There's new kinds of drugs, absolutely. Fentanyl is not new, but it is it has been around for a long time, but it's relatively new to the drug scene and the problem that it's causing today. But there's always been crack, there's always been cocaine, there's always been heroin, there's always been LSD, there's always been marijuana, there's always been these drugs and other things. But it's not just drugs, it's not just alcohol. How about our lying tongues? It's always been lying tongues. How about the wandering eye that we have? I said a couple weeks ago, well, I said actually last week, and my wife wasn't here. Did anyone go tell my wife what I said last Sunday? No one did. Thanks a lot. See, I didn't score any points. So all of you that were here and didn't say anything to my wife, thanks a lot. You helped me out a whole bunch. I made a really good comment to you for you last week. No one told you, so I'll tell you later. But the truth of the matter is all these things are problems that we face today. These are, these are not new. These are, these are things that mankind see. When we are faced with a temptation, we think that no one else has ever faced this before. We think that no one else has caused this problem. No one else has seen that. No one else has gone through the level that I've gone through. And that's an absolute lie that, that Satan is telling me. You, have faced, you are facing a temptation. You are facing something that has been faced by other people. And when Scripture says, when Paul says... So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. What happens when you think that you're standing firm? When you think that you have it, you think that you're broken, and you think that you're okay there, what happens? There's a good chance that you might fall if you're not careful. There's a good chance that you might fall to that temptation. There's things for years and years and years above people. I'm sure if you asked this man right here in the front row, does he remember the times when he was addicted to alcohol and drugs? He would say, yes, he remembers those times. Does he have a temptation? Probably not nearly as much as he did back then. Because he has Christ on his side, and, and Christ pulls him through, and, and he has no temptation he has to face. There's things in my life that I have struggled with over and over and over again all my life that I have walked away from, and still 20 years, 30 years later, I see something, or I hear something, or you walk in, I walked into the uh, primary school this week, and as I walked in there, all of these thoughts came flooding through my mind just because of one smell. One smell. Yeah, it was the, it was the school smell, you know? Yeah, I mean, Chris, you probably know the smell well because you work in the school, right? But there's a different smell to primary schools than there are any other school, right? And I walked into that school, and I remembered all of this in fact, I started to talk to someone, and, and as I'm talking to them, I'm starting to stumble over my words, and I couldn't say my S's and D's. I'm like, well, wait a minute, I feel like I'm back in primary school because this is exactly where I was. When I was in primary school, I struggled with, I struggled with my, my speech. And so just that smell, just that walking in, here I am, I'm 46 years old, but I'm still thinking back to when I was 8 years old. That's the power that happens in your mind. But those temptations are there. If we're not careful, we can fall to those temptations. But I love what Paul says. No temptation.
situation is okay for you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. You understand that? So if you're here today and you're facing a temptation of something, I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's drugs, alcohol, lying, sex, pornography. I don't care what it is. If you're tempted, if you're struggling with that, understand that there's always a way out. Always. But that way out is Jesus. It's nothing else. There's no self-help program. There's no one that can set up and tell you how to do that. It's only Jesus Christ that's going to help you do that. It is why this phrase, God won't give you any more than any other, is completely hogwash and needs to be thrown away from our scripture. And from our, not even our scripture, I'm sorry. It's not in scripture, so it's easy to throw it away because it's not there. From our vocabulary, it needs to be cast out from our vocabulary because that's not true. It pulls away from the important that Jesus is the only way. God is the only answer to these things. Let's walk with him. See, the truth has all the power and directions we need to overcome all the things we face in this world. We don't need to change scripture. I want to challenge you today that as you hear something that doesn't, there's, scripture gives many warnings. I could go on and on and on again. In fact, at the end here, I'm going to talk about a phrase, but even last week in Matthew 24, when we talked about the end of days, Scripture goes on and on and on about it. In the end of days, there's going to be many who come and are deceiving. And even the elect will fall, if possible, because they're listening to people who are deceiving. All you have to do today is go on the internet, go on the radio, go listen to podcasts, and you'll find all kinds of lies out there. There's also good things. Listen, I'm not saying that there's not good preachers out there. I have a podcast. It's every Sunday sermon. It goes out there. You can listen to it. I hope that my stuff is pretty good, right? But there's other, there's everybody and their brother has something to say. You can go out and you can read it on Facebook, you can read it on Google, you can read it on all those things. Just because it's on the internet does not make it true. Right? If you hear someone say something about scripture, if you hear something, you have to begin to say, can, it, can this, does this fit? Does this fit with what I just read in scripture? Does this say what I think it should say? Does this say what God has spoken to me? See, the, the, the understanding of all this is that it starts with opening up your Bible. I can't help you if you're not reading this word. You're going to fall to a temptation if you're not reading this word. Step one to understanding whether it's a twisted truth or not is to open up the pages of this book and start reading them. Because if you're not reading Scripture then you're going to fall to the temptation of whatever comes. You're going to believe. All you have to do is, I know a lot of good people that say a lot of good things. Listen, this week I, I had the opportunity to listen to, um, I love listening to worship music, I also listen to some Christian rap, but I decided to just see what's out there in the popular scene today. And it took me all about 30 seconds to say, I am going to listen to that song and I'll go on to the next song. And you know, the top... 100 list. I went on Spotify, listened to this top 100. You know, in the top 100 of songs that are out there today, there was two out of 100 that wasn't explicit lyrics. Now, I don't want to be the old man saying, get off my lawn guy, right? <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, is that there's all kinds of people out there today telling you <laughs> and singing to you 
and telling you what you should think, how you should act, and what you should believe. Kids today, and, and again, listen to all of those in the back row, to Chad back there, and all of those that are listening to this online. Listen to me. Now, I listened to some nasty stuff when I was growing up your age, too. Okay? I like some Pearl Jam, I like some Def Leppard, I like some, uh, you know, Steve's looking at me, give me a dirty look. I understand Steve. Listen, I, I don't have as long as gray hair as you, so that means I'm a little bit younger than you, Steve, okay? Prince. Prince, perfect example, right? I don't need to go into some of those lyrics. I can sing in those lyrics right now. That's, that, this is how bad it is. On the top of my head right now, if you ask me to sing a Prince song, I can sing one right now. I will, I'll spare you the details, because first of all, it's not good for a Sunday morning. Yeah. But you also want to hear me sing Prince, so. <laughs> No, you don't. I promise you, Linda, you don't. <laughs> but listen, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that when you listen to those things, those things get set in your mind. Here I am. Listen, I listened to Prince when I was in 6th and 7th grade. I remembered every, his Purple Rain album, I remembered every word that was on that album. I could sing you every song that was on that, on that, on a, well, it wasn't a CD back then, it was still cassette, right? That's how old I am, I listen to cassettes. But I listened to every single one of them, and I remembered every single word of that song, and I could still today, uh, let's see, in, how old was I when I was in 6th and 7th grade? <laughs> Yeah, 46. Someone do the math for me, quick. Kindergarten. 46 minus 12 is what? 35 years later, I can still recite all those words. What you remember and what you understand is what you put into your mind. Be careful what you allow into your mind, because you'll remember it 35 years later. 35 years later, I can sing songs I should never even think about singing as a pastor because I remembered them and sang them so many times when I was in 6th and 7th grade. Today, the songs are just as bad as they were 35 years ago. I'm not saying the songs are any better or worse. Okay, you guys can speak for yourself. They're worse. The truth of the matter is, though, when we put ourselves in what we fill in our mind is what we're going to remember. If you're not opening scripture and you're not reading scripture, then what you're putting into your mind is something else. I'm not telling you not to read books. I'm not telling you not to watch TV shows. I actually go out and listen. I love country music, so I still listen to country music. Ask me to sing a Zach Brown song. I'll sing it right now. Chicken Pride. I'd love to sing that song right now, but I'll, I'll spare you guys all my, my, my voice, right? But... The truth of the matter is, though, is that we have to understand what's in this book, or we are going to fall to, to, to we're going to fall to twisted truth of God's not going to give you more than you can handle. That's a twisted truth. That's not true at all. And if we don't fill ourselves with scripture, we don't understand what it is, then we begin to make understandings. We begin to say, "Oh, that's not how." My favorite is this day. Just this past week, I was in the store. And we we're having a conversation with someone. And they looked at, this lady looked at me and she goes, Jesus wouldn't respond in that way. And I said, what do you think they laughed? And she, it wasn't my conversation, she was talking to someone else. 
And she said, I, you know, I nosed in. When they said, Jesus, I nosed it in, you know. Jesus is me and my mother, right? I'm the pastor. So when, when someone says Jesus, I'm walking in that door, right? Forgive me, Lord. Uh, but, <laughs> so I asked, what do you mean by that? And she says to me, she goes, well, Jesus just loves everyone, so it doesn't matter what kind of lifestyle I live, it doesn't matter what I do, it doesn't matter all of these things. I said, you're, you're right in one case, in one, in one avenue. God does love everything, everyone. God will forgive everyone of their sins, too. But he does care what you do here on this earth. Their whole conversation was about, I can wait until I die, and and on my deathbed, give my life to Jesus. And so today I'm going to go out and party and do whatever I want. And then right before I die, I'll give my life to Jesus and I have eternity in heaven. I said, What happens if you die in a car accident today? Yeah, the truth is that you don't know when your last time is. But the point of the matter is that just because we say that we don't think Jesus would respond to a way doesn't make it right. See, I can sit here and tell you all the, I wish that God would do this. I wish that this would happen. I wish that all of it, I could go X, Y, Z of all the things that I wish Jesus would do. And that would be my heartfelt wish for people. And hopefully it aligns really close with what Jesus said. But I'm, I'm not doing any due diligence or due justice unless I open up and say, this is exactly what Jesus says. You can't say that Jesus is for or against a certain lifestyle or a certain way that you live if you don't read Scripture. If you don't open up Scripture and read everything that Scripture says, and by the way, you can't open up and read one verse and say, I'm going to make a whole theology off of one verse. If you did, then you would open up to Leviticus, and Leviticus tells us to go kill our children. You understand that? But why? you got to read Leviticus. I'm going to challenge you to read Leviticus and come back and tell me why it says that. I'm not going to tell you the answer today because I want you to figure it out yourself. Do theology, open it up, read it, and understand what's going on in here. Understand what Scripture says to us, what Scripture talks to us. You have to read more than just one phrase. You have to believe more than what's going on. See, the problem of it is we take people for granted. We take things for granted. And we just allow them to give people passes. That's not the way that it's meant to be. We're supposed to be understanding the scripture so that we can let it dive into our hearts. So we understand. And so we can pour it out to people. Our theology, the way we live, is not supposed to come from other people. It's supposed to come from this book. We are the ones that are supposed to dictate our language and our love out towards other people. Paul gives Timothy some advice about the end of days. This is in Timothy. Can you turn to that slide? Chad, please. Verse 4, or chapter 4, verse 1 of 2 Timothy. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. 
Paul is speaking directly to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor who Paul is mentoring and telling, be prepared. The first few verses are something that he and I have talked about many times and we keep close to our hearts. Be prepared in season and out of season. Preach the word. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. See, today, if, if someone comes and says, I want to encourage you, but I also want to tell you where you're doing something wrong, what happens? Get out of my face. I don't want you to tell me where I'm doing something wrong. You know what? If I'm doing something wrong, I want you to come and try to, and, and don't try to rebuke me. <laughs> That's not really Come and try. Go ahead. You threw the first punch, I'm throwing again. No, I'm kidding. I, but no, honestly, if I'm doing something wrong, I want someone to come. I have told him countless number of times, and you can ask him this question. If I'm wrong in any way, shape, or form, he has the uh, he has the uh, permission, he has my permission to come and tell me what I'm doing wrong. I want him to tell me that. That is being a good brother. That is being uh, iron and sharpening iron and, and laying myself down and, and trying to be the best pastor I can be. We've had this conversation. We want that. We should want that from others, too. We should want that from the people who are in leadership. That's even besides the point. What Paul continues to say to Timothy is such an amazing thing. And this is what I really want to wrap up today with, because this is where we're at today. Paul's words to Timothy are exactly where we are at in this country today and where we are at in this world today. Verse 3, For there will come a time when people will not put up with sound doctrine. I don't care if you're Democrat, I don't care if you're Republican, I don't care if you're independent, I don't care who you are. This is a true statement today. I'm not politicizing this at all because this has nothing to do with your political standing. This has something to do with the way we are in this world today. People are not listening to sound doctrine because, you know what, if you tell me anything and you disagree with me, then you're hatred. That's what it is. If I disagree with someone, then it's hatred. I, it's not that I hate anyone. I don't hate anyone, but I can disagree with your standpoint on something, and I can tell you that, and I can love you through that disagreement. But we instead today, as soon as you tell someone that you disagree with them, what happens is you become hatred, you become a bigot, you become a racist, you become whatever it might be. For there will come a time when people will not put up with some doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Listen, if you're listening to someone have what you already believe to be true and support it in your inside your mind and to make you feel better, you're not being challenged the way Christ wants you to be challenged. My job as pastor is not to make you happy. I don't care if I only have five people in this room. My job is not to make you happy. My job is to convict you of your sins. My duty as a pastor is to stand up here and tell you, this is what Christ says. This is what God wants you to do. If you don't like it, I'm sorry that you don't like it. It's what scripture says. Read it for yourself and understand it. Let it digest inside of your heart. Make you you change. Make me change. Half the messages I preach, I hate preaching them because it goes right to my heart. Can I tell you that? I preach myself all week long preparing a sermon so that on Sunday morning when I see it before you, I'm tore apart because it has killed me all week long having to deal with this. 
If I stand up here and I tell you what you want to hear, if I stand up here and say, oh, everything's going to be okay, I, there's a certain there's a certain guy, certain pastor, I'm not going to say any names. <laughs> He's on TV, he tells people exactly what they want to hear. He never once talks about sin, and he purposefully does that, by the way. He doesn't talk about sin, he doesn't talk about all the condemnation and everything else that's in the world. He just talks about how great God is. And God is great. Don't get me wrong. He is. But guess what? Scripture was never meant and never intended to, 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 dis, to answer the desires that you need inside yourself, to support a wrongful lifestyle that you're living. Scripture was always intended to make you repent from the sinful nature of where you're living and to become more like Christ. In order for us to become more like Christ, it means we have to die to ourselves every single day, and we have to pick up our cross and carry it daily. That's not what people want to hear. What people want to hear is that everything's going to be okay. Just give your life to Christ, and all this money is going to come flowing, and all this, all these glories, and all these blessings are going to fall upon you. Will you be blessed because you're following Christ? Absolutely, you will. But it also means that you're going to have to go through some hard times. You're going to have some struggles. You're going to have to work things out. You're going to have to decide what is right, what is my feelings, and what is God's feelings. And just because I've given my life to Christ doesn't make everything inside me good. In fact, when you give your life to Christ, everything inside of you is still pretty bad and you still have to sort through what you need to give up and what you need to keep. Paul is encouraging Timothy, telling Timothy that in those days, and may I say, in the days we live today, the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They will hear the pastor say something that they don't like and go find a different church that suits their own desires. I personalize that, sorry. They will look for the program that fits their needs and what they really want, not dealing with the issues that they have. They will turn their ears away from the truth to turn aside to myths. Even just this week, I I was with a a group of um, friends who are Christians, they begin to talk about their horoscope. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Like, can we, can we just take a moment here? You're Christians, you're following Christ. Wait, you're reading your horoscope? So what? What? You're like, what's wrong with that? Uh, okay. So I went to this verse, and I read this verse. The second of all, this says horoscopes have nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Horoscopes are an opening, and I'm not, listen, I'm not going to go there. Horoscopes are opening to Satan coming to attack you, and it's allowing evil spirits into your heart. When you read a horoscope, when you open up and says, oh, I'm a Gemini, so this is what it says. So if I'm a Gemini, that means I have two lifestyles, I live two people, and Gemini are between the blah, 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 and all that stuff. Yeah, do I know that? Of course I know that. Do I read my horoscope? Absolutely not. It's a bunch of crap that I'm not allowing into my heart. This is what we face in the world today. There are many people out there today entering into the, the light of Venus and whatever else. I don't even know what that's all about. I'm like, who cares? Saturn and Venus line up all the time. That's not going to change my personality. I will tell you about Teresa and I can tell you working 
working in a uh, consumer service when the full moon's out is a problem. <laughs> there is a problem. I don't, I don't know what's all about that. I haven't figured out how to. I haven't figured out specifically how to align all of that, but there is definitely a problem that happens on the full moon. So. The problem of it is, though, is that we as Christians cannot allow ourselves to get here. Paul says to Timothy in verse 5, but keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Why would Paul tell Timothy to endure hardships if he's not going to face it? Why would Paul tell Timothy to keep your head in all situations? He's telling Timothy, first of all, don't get too high up when things are going good, and don't get too low when things are going bad. Keep yourself in all situations. Don't fall to the temptation of listening to someone that's good. I gotta look. I can. But he, he continues to say, I don't want to end with this. Endure hardship and then do the work of the evangelist. May I encourage you today to stop listening to Satan when he twists the words in your in your heart and in your head. Stop listening to phrases that are popular out there today. And start listening to Scripture. Become the evangelist that Paul is talking to Timothy about. Us being an evangelist doesn't mean that we just follow along with the world, but we set a new standard for what Christ is and ask the worship to come forward. Paul tells Timothy, do the work of the evangelist and discharge all the duties of your ministry. See, the living word of God is active enough, loving enough, and powerful enough. We just need to follow it and make it say what we want it to say. Or not say. Not make it say what we want it to say. Scripture is already powerful enough. It will change who you are inside if you just allow yourself to follow Scripture. Don't listen to the the, the famous sayings on Facebook. Don't listen to the famous things. Follow Scripture. Find out what it says yourself. If you hear something and it just doesn't make sense, go to Scripture. Listen, this is... Google is a dangerous tool because it gives you all the information you ever need about anything. And you can fall to temptations for that. You can fall to wrong verses on that. But if you have a phrase that's in your mind going, um, wonder what this Scripture really says about this. Go Go to Google, type it in, find out what it says. It'll tell you. Come to me, come to Pastor Chess, come to someone and ask them, what, is, what am I supposed to do? Don't fall to the temptation of this world. Where are you standing? You will never need Read it. Digest it. Let it change you from the inside out. Don't believe what people say. Believe what it says. The word of God. Allow the word of God to change you. Allow it to make what it wants to change inside of you. I want to pray and I want to ask the Lord to bless us and help us in this place. I want to ask the Lord to come through and help us and protect us from being deceived from those that are coming, as Matthew 24 says. As Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, let us not fall those temptations. Let's do the work that God has for us so that we can be the angels. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our midst. Lord, we thank you for all the blessings that you have given to us. We thank you for all of the truths that you give to us in your scripture. Father, help us today to not allow 
us to fall to the temptations and the deceiving words of the people that are out there today. But help us instead to fall in love with the Word of God. Help it to be so attractive and so important to us that we can't do anything else but live inside the Word of God. The truth of who you are is in this Word, Father. And so we ask you, Lord, help us Open this word. Open this Bible. Open us to understanding what you would say to us in this love letter that you have written to us. We thank you, Lord, for the many blessings that you have blessed us with, the wisdom and intelligence you have given to us. But, Lord, sometimes that wisdom and intelligence intelligence, takes us down a path we should never be on. Lord, we want to follow you. We need you today. Guide us and strengthen us today. Help us to follow you in all things and always. We love you, Lord. We glorify you. Father, I just also want to ask today what Paul really was saying in Corinthians was that none of us are going to face a temptation that you don't give us a way out. So, Father, if there's some here today that are being tempted, that Satan has been tempting them and whispering in their ears and helping them, I want to come against those temptations right now in the name of Jesus. I want to break those temptations and the rule that they have over people's lives right now in the name of Jesus. And I want to say to those that are dealing with those temptations, Jesus always has a way, has always given you a way, just look towards him. When you're tempted, walk away from the temptation and walk towards him. Pick up your scripture, begin to read scripture, begin to pray to him. He will lead you out of that temptation. Father, I pray for each and every single person that's here today. May they follow you in all things, in all ways. Give you glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together.